0: It's me. It's Jake. Hey, it's episode two hundred twelve. My phone just beeped, so that's happening early in the podcast. I know that's not usually till later. Um, hello, I haven't uh, talked to you for a little while, and now I'm back. I'm talking to you. It's episode two hundred. I'm going to turn this off. All right, there we go. Um, my guest this week is the person that I'm working with here in San Jose, and uh, I'm very excited to have you on the show, NATO Green, hello. community
1: app at- activists, community in- activists. Sure. I'll, I'll take it. You've had a gun pointed at you recently? I've had a, I had a gun pointed at me on uh, Wednesday. It was Sunday today. So that's exciting. That was exciting, yeah. Do you recommend it? Uh, it, it is a good, uh, it, I think it is a good experience to have had. Uh, to to just know how you would feel if, if a police officer pointed a rifle at your face. Oh my God, I, I don't, I, it would freak me out. It would put me off uh, protesting, I think. Uh, you know, I was like, in the moment This, I mean, this is the kind of person I am sort of in the moment uh, there's like a great calm and tranquility like, oh, this is what's happening now And w- did you feel
0: like you were not afraid because you've been to so many protests and you understand the rules of police and or, or what, or do you just think it was just a fluke, that's just how
1: you're set up uh, uh, Well I mean, I I wasn't, the, you know, I wasn't committed to testing it, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't going to escalate the situation, so I had already made that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh but also I am just temperamentally I'm I intend someone who tends to be calm in a crisis. Like I'm very even, you know, I'm I'm not a volatile person anyway. Uh, but in a like in a crisis when people are freaking out, I get very serene and then I might have a panic attack like later. But did you have that? Did you have a, a No, kind of this this on? situation I I was I, I stayed was fine and what what were you protesting at the time we were at the uh, Alameda County Sheriff's office in Oakland mm-hmm. and um the pretext of the protest was that uh early in the week the Alameda County Sheriff's Twitter feed retweeted uh prominent uh Nazi white supremacist Richard Spencer um but sort of part of the, it was about it was I was with a bunch of immigrant rights groups and uh, we were trying to get California to pass a sanctuary state bill to, to make California a sanctuary state. Do you, do you know what that's about? Well, I sort of know what sanctuary
0: state, sanctuary city is about. It it means that when law enforcement in the routine uh, course of their job, they're not also checking for immigration. Is that right? Yeah, or-
1: that there's like a like there's a set of things that law enforcement is legally required to do related to immigration, and basically all sanctuary means is, a sanctuary policy means is don't do any favors for federal immigration. Like if they show up with a warrant, you have to comply with the warrant. But if they don't have a warrant, you don't have to go out of your way to do extra. You would think that law enforcement would be happy not to be not to be doing extra work for free, but for some reason it's controversial with them. Well, well that's on a human nature basis. But, I mean,
0: you sort of would think, I mean, the argument that I've read for, for this kind of sanctuary city thing is just making a case for you're gonna get better law enforcement because if, if, if you don't they're want people, just trying to catch crime then people will turn criminals in but if they're worried about then right. the person who calls the police getting investigated for whether or not they're an illegal immigrant now you've got problems right
1: right yeah that people that that people you know there's a whole I mean it's it's a bunch of things people you know won't Report other crimes they won't take themselves to the hospital, so then there's a risk of infectious diseases spreading mm-hmm. you know they won't i mean there's a whole variety of things that happen when i mean you know here's an example like under labor law even if regardless of someone's legal status to work in this country, you still have to pay everyone minimum wage for example mm-hmm. because even the, if they're here illegally even if well I, I we should talk about that in a second, but uh yes, even if they're here illegally because mm-hmm. The law recognizes that if that's not true, then employers have an incentive to employ people who are here illegally because they can pay them less than minimum wage. I see. So, um, and I, and the reason I hesitate around the, the phrase "here illegally" is because when we talk about illegal, the the crime is illegal entry. Mm-hmm. The crime is not the status. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, I sort of understand. So, like, if you catch someone crossing the border, you are catching them doing something illegal someone who has crossed the border and that crime by the way of illegal entry in the code is an infraction mm-hmm. so just sort of to give it some appropriate analogy it's like i don't know double parking so
0: uh, someone who has crossed the border illegally and is now here working at a job yes were you tr- were you going to make some point about that
1: yeah i was just wanted to make the point that the that that it's not the status, it's not that the person is illegal, it's that their entry was illegal. Uh, and, by the way... Uh, I see, I see. That's, you know, a,
0: that's, a, that's a great distinction because, I mean, it, on the one hand it makes perfect sense and it's a no-brainer, but on the other hand, you're right. It's like you, you're not... You, you've double-parked, but that
1: you're not a criminal. You're not a, you're, It's not that we will know you forevermore as the double-parker. As the double-parker. Uh, and I mean, you know, and so there's a lot of rhetoric around immigration about like wanting to catch criminals, mm-hmm. but uh, in terms of like theft or murder, or, you know, violent crime, mostly there's no evidence that immigrants are more criminal than anybody else. But the immigration system creates felonies, so that what you, what ends up happening is ah. like people come to this country. Uh, I mean, the the way that I describe it is it's like it's like they just move people's jobs to the United States and then the border is the shittiest commute ever. Mm-hmm. Um and so people come to the United States to work. So if you re-enter, that's a felon illegal re-entry is a felony and so now people are designated as felons for the rest of their life. They've never assaulted anybody, robbed anybody, sold a drug or anything. It's just that that now this We need thing more is- categories for crime, I right. think. <laughs> is really the problem. Yeah, I mean, well,
0: well that that to me. I mean, we're a little bit off the track cuz we're going to go back to the sheriff's protest oh, sure. originally. So and, and you might have to remind me a little bit about so, how so so there was
1: a, there's a sanctuary state bill that's been introduced in California and the sheriff's association including the Alameda County Sheriff has been lobbying against it because they, law enforcement has been hostile to this approach of protecting uh, immigrants. And so we were protesting the sheriff's office partly to to put pressure on the state legislature and the governor to pass the sanctuary state bill. So you want the legislature and the governor, but why does the sheriff's?
0: Why do they? As you said, why would they want to do this extra work? And, and also, I mean, obviously, maybe they do not accept this premise that that it's going to make it harder for them to solve or battle actual crime that's not related to border crossing. If people are intimidated to to come forward because they're worried about their status.
1: Yeah. They, um, I, you know, I mean, in some ways the simple answer is that, is that Shara is that law enforcement at some level is bought into the idea that, um, you know, expanding the powers of law enforcement is a good thing. Uh, even mm. even if there's not evidence that it leads to greater public safety, right? It's more more employment, more hours, more employment, more security, more overtime. You know, that's such a more cynical clout. way to be, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you're at this protest to protest that, or you're at yes. so, but you're also simultaneously protesting that the sheriff had retweeted this.
1: That you know that was sort of the the pretext, like uh um uh you know one of the things that we were chanting was no justice no pe- no peace no racist re- retweets uh huh. that was a good good and how long how, do you have a rhyming dictionary that... <laughs> uh, no they were they were like i you know i was like chanting and trying to see if i could like figure out how to adapt the lyrics to the beatles song when i'm 64 to a chant about passing mm-hmm. sb 54 uh, the Sanctuary State Bill But because I was also chanting And linked arms with people I was like uh, I couldn't I'm not that's, that's not my strength Is the is the rhyming chants But there's some people Who are really good at it mm-hmm.
0: So you're a comedian You're a political organizer You're bringing all your skills together
1: Yes To, to create song parodies To help uh, battle injustice Well I mean I'm, I'm Probably good for everybody But My genre is not song parodies
0: I No I know But it. that's We all have You know Look I'm not above an attempted impression during a show. If it's somebody easy, Arnold Schwarzenegger, somebody like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I do bring it all all to bear. Um, And, you know, so, like, I'm, I'm, you know, occasionally I'll just go to a protest or risk arrest just because it's like, oh, I need a new chunk. You know, that's (laughs) like...
0: (laughs) Uh Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about your rifle pointed at your face chunk that you're working on right now.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, like, there was, uh, like, I was... You know, we we sat so the rifles pointed at our face, and then we sat down and blocked the entrance to the sheriff's thing. And then they said, "Get closer together and link arms." So we linked arms. And who said that? The other protesters. Like one of the other protesters, like in the a pro- sheriff, isn't getting ready yeah. to take a picture. Do you? Do, I don't know if you know this about protests, but like when you have a like a civil disobedience or some kind of direct action, you agree in advance that someone is sort of the like the the quarterback for the action. Uh-huh. Like someone, we all agree. Like okay, this person sort of. Gets to like make the call on the spot of like everybody sit down right here and then we're all gonna do it. So, okay, so there's no debate. In other words, when that person says
0: sit down, everybody's like, right, we agreed that you're, you get you're the person who says that.
1: Um, so, so we sat down in front of the steps and and then uh, and then and to block the entrance to the building and they said link arms. So, we linked arms, we sit down, we start chanting, we're holding signs, and there were women on either side of me, uh, which is relevant because. I started. I got preoccupied thinking about whether I was man spreading my legs while I was blocking the entrance. And like normally, I wouldn't. I've been told, I you know, I'm a six foot tall man. I don't want to man spread and take up more space and push women out of the way. But maybe in the context of blocking an entrance, maybe I actually do want to spread my legs. What's the right technique? Yeah. Uh, How much? How much of my damned? How much of my crotch should be exposed Mm -hmm. in the in the service of? Blocking the egress of the sheriff's deputies uh-huh. from the premises. America is wish-
0: a great country because you're at least you're not worried about being kicked in the nuts by the sheriff.
1: That's yes, that's true. I mean, if uh, that was a concern, then it would be a no-brainer. Do not spread. Do not spread your leg. Well, he, yeah, the sheriffs were behind me, uh, but I will tell you, like once. Well, wait a minute. How is the gun get pointed in your face if the sheriff's behind you? Well, because we walked in. We walked in to try to occupy the office, and he and he said. Uh, you know, and then the guy was pointing our face, and then we we turned around to our, to our backs to him and sat right down. Oh, okay, I see. I uh, see. So the but the the first time, uh, you know, I, I I used to I used to do a bit about this. The, I got arrested um, on the first day of the Iraq War, mm-hmm. and in two thousand three, and we like blockaded Market Street in San Francisco, and they say you know go limp to make it harder, slower for the police to pull you out, right? And so. Like, the other protesters were, like, these small, like, underfed vegan anarchist kids, and the police were, like, just clearing them out, you know? Right. And and then they got to me, and I was a bigger guy, and they pulled on me, and I didn't move. And then they got more people, and they pulled on me, and I didn't move, because I was going limp. And then one of the cops just took my hand, and he said, if you don't walk out of here, I'm going to break your wrist. And then he started to twist my arm and break my wrist. So uh, I got up and walked out. (laughs) <laughs> wow, so uh, you know that was that like that was a little bit more exciting, and, and you walked out of there, and then you got arrested. Yeah, so yeah, I got arrested. I, so I walked out. They put the it wasn't handcuffs; it was the plastic ties, like zip ties, The right. zip ties to cuff my hands. And then they kept us in pens on the side of the street for a while, and then they loaded us onto city buses, the muni buses in San Francisco, to take us to jail. Mm-hmm. And so while we're all in cuffs in restraints on the buses going to jail, just automatically, every couple blocks, the bus would go, thank you for riding Muni. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now, does anyone start laughing at that? I did. I did. Yeah, <laughs> You're not supposed to laugh when you get
0: arrested. I've never been uh, arrested in a protest. I did some protests for the Iraq War, but but not getting arrested. So you know that that's going to happen ahead of time when you go out to protest, or you well, know it's a possibility.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that you... You know, you want to make that... Uh, actually, uh, if I can uh, recommend a book. There's a new book called This is an Uprising about nonviolent resistance by Paul and Mark Engler. Uh, this is an this is an Uprising. This is an Uprising. It's by a, Paul and Mark Engler. Yeah, it came out last year. It just came out in paperback in an audiobook. It's a great book about nonviolent resistance and their friends. Uh, uh, and it's uh, like you know civil disobedience is a strategy and there are people who practice it and nonviolent resistance like people sort of think of it as you know arresting is something that sort of happens spontaneously but uh nonviolent resistance is a strategy that people perfect in order to achieve social change you know i mean the famously martin luther king and gandhi are the famous practitioners sure. of it but there's like a whole world of of uh expertise and techniques and strategies and thinking about how to how to have it be most effective so because because people are this this kind of protest
0: is going on not common but it's but it's going on during the year multiple times
1: in multiple places and and that so like i mean one way to think about it is that there's a whole spectrum of the levels of risk and confrontation uh that people will Embark on so Uh you know unions going on strike is a form of nonviolent resistance, and a a candlelight vigil is a form of nonviolent resistance, Uh as well as something uh, you know choosing an action where you risk arrest, risk arrest. In San Francisco, one of the things that's ended up happening is that sometimes the police, you know, will just try to wait us out. Like if we sometimes we if we block something, the police won't won't arrest us because they know that what we want is to get arrested so that we can go on the news and say you know, 50 people were arrested protesting this thing. And so they'll just stand there and run up the overtime and not arrest anybody well, uh, but, until we, like, have to pee and go home. But isn't that also one of the things that you're trying to accomplish
0: by getting arrested is that you're causing the system to have to spend money to deal with this issue and hoping to recruit support. Right. Like, hey, if this many people feel this strongly about this, maybe we got to take a look at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, that, like... The, I mean, here's an example, you know, that's happened a lot. You know, my, probably my favorite example since the elections was um, when Trump announced the Muslim ban. And, oh, gosh. And and everybody went to the airports. I was, I flew home
0: that day and my flight got in right as they had made. the So I'm just flying back from a gig. But it just <laughs> happens to be that day. And I get off the plane at LAX. And the protesters all are going to the Tom Bradley terminal, which is, it's a, LAX is kind of a horseshoe shaped with terminals all along the horseshoe. And Tom Bradley's at the bottom, at the bend in the horseshoe. Right. And so that's where the clog is. And so law enforcement's solution to the fact that that was the problem was to cut off all cars getting into LAX. And so while I was standing there waiting for my Uber, um, they shut the airport and my guy happened to be inside but everybody else had to walk out of the horseshoe to the far end <laughs> to leave the airport and so it was inconvenient not just to law enforcement and to to the airport in general but to just passengers who were you know hey I just want to go home that's all right but well, so anyway so there that
1: there day. is i mean there is some amount of inconvenience about around that you know but social uh, change is messy yeah it's messy but you know what what you saw was like you know that there was these uh, i mean there was there were groups that i would say were sort of forward deployed like in position ready to, to take advantage of that but the you know having simultaneous occupations of dozens of airports all over the united states was not planned and it it, it, no, it, it ter- but it and you saw it in the polling it turned public opinion almost instantaneously on that issue And, you know, so occasionally when you get these big groundswells, you can see it register in the Mm -hmm. polling pretty quickly. Like you saw it after Occupy Wall Street, how, you know, the, 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 I mean, there are stories about Republican pollsters pulling their hair out saying, we've lost a generation that because of Occupy Wall Street, millennials don't believe in capitalism anymore, you know. uh, So so, weren't we talking about this, this idea
0: the other day that, uh, this generation is the is the first generation who's not po- going to be as successful or wealthy as their parents. Yeah. I mean, I feel like forget about losing their mind, you know, being able to have them mind convinced that just the fact of that right. is going to kind of undermine some of your cheerleading for capitalism. Right. That like, you know,
1: that this that this generation of young people that the material reality that they're dealing with of like you know even if you do what you're supposed to do and go to school and work hard and you know you end up with a student, amount of student debt but there objectively aren't enough good jobs to go around and uh you can't afford housing in big cities and you know because every city is too expensive and uh so it's you know that the 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 relatively linear progress that happened through most of the 20th century of you know a rising tide lifting all boats and growing prosperity and growing life expectancy and all that kind of stuff has stopped mm-hmm. at, at least temporarily and so and started to turn back like not just uh that this is the first generation that's not going to make as much as their parents but also like for the first time ever life expectancy people are dying younger than they used to yeah. life expectancy is falling um or less of net job growth since the recession has been contingent work these Uber, Lyft, you know part-time, temporary, unbenefited, short-term contracted jobs Um, you know, and then on the other hand you see, there was this other Oxfam did the study that 62 people have as much wealth as half the world
0: yeah, it's a bit it's a bit, now would you I feel like that is a thing that I'm getting more and more aware of and outraged about is that kind of discrepancy in wealth and I'm not saying that someone who invents a new software or machine or technique or whatever that they patent doesn't deserve to be rewarded but but when that much money is going to that few people it's like it it just what are the rest of us supposed to do it just
1: doesn't seem right right I mean it reminds me of that you know uh uh, Rick Overton's joke from twenty years ago about we're going to end up in a democracy of the people who can live inside the dome and those of us on the outside. I don't remember that joke, but yeah,
0: it's, it's, well, but that's the way it seems. It seems like look, it's the the top one percent are are moving into gated communities and McMansion subdivisions and all of that, and they think that they can hire private cops or get the actual law enforcement to to maintain their perimeter but i mean eventually they've got law enforcement is at the bottom of that economic thing and it just doesn't seem tenable it seems like it's we're heading so quickly in that direction that it's like in the people who've got the money's interest to realize look if we just share a little bit of this back
1: out right we can we can diffuse the problem well and that's i mean it, that's how it happened in the past like if you look back at american history like there were the robber barons and the you know carnegie and rockefeller and the the beginning of American philanthropy mm-hmm. was these people who made their you know fortunes on you know railroads or silver or whatever and you know and then said, you know, oh, we've got to figure out how to give some money away and and ease the conditions of poor people, otherwise they're going to tear the whole system down. and we're going to end up you know with our heads on spikes um, yeah I, I, well
0: and, and you see that even happening a little bit now with people like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Have this idea to give away some massive proportion of their wealth before they die. They've they've pledged to do that. You know, I, I sort of have a problem that that's their
1: decision. And, right? Can we just money? Why don't we tax them and then let democracy decide where their money goes? Yeah,
0: that's what I. That's right.
1: I mean, every I, I get it. Bill Gates is a nice guy. He doesn't
0: have to give that money to charity, so it's very nice that he's doing that, and I appreciate that about him. But I feel like the deeper issue to me is like. How come he gets to decide to be generous? How come I get to bust my ass and I don't get to say, hey, we should help these homeless people or we should help these suffering people in Africa? How come How come I'm not part of that conversation?
1: Yeah, well, and like, I mean, my kids go to public school and Bill Gates is sort of known for being a significant player in, in giving money to education mm-hmm. stuff. And so suddenly he gets to, have, you know, Bill Gates, who never went to public school. His kids never went to public school everyone gets because of the checks he writes I don't even know like, if you're that rich, do you even write checks? Like, is that how the money even is transferred? I think it's just...
0: I don't... know. No. The answer is no. I don't think you do write a check. Or maybe you write a check so someone can take a picture of it, but what actually happens is some behind the scenes... There's probably
1: layers of him having a guy who does Well,
0: that. and it's not even really money. It's just, like, they just bleed off. They just open a faucet on his tank full of money that's ever right. replenishing, and he just drains off some that goes to...
1: There was, like, do you know... Um, in san francisco uh we had the america's cup a few years ago mm-hmm. and larry ellison the ceo of oracle who is the sixth richest person in the world on the forbes billionaires list yeah who lives lives in san francisco the america's cup was his thing he was into yachting and whatever and so and for whatever reason the city ended up 30 million dollars in the hole on the america hosting the america's cup and people were like, how are we going to cover this cost? And so then I looked at the fourth billionaires list and realized that according to their database, the amount of money that the city of San Francisco was in the hole from hosting the America's Cup for Larry Ellison was equal, more or less, to the average daily fluctuation in his personal net worth. Like on any right. given day, his personal portfolio is going to go up or down 30 million bucks. Right, right. So,
0: so in a sense, he can give that money away and probably have it back the and next And just day.
1: call it Wednesday. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. it is interesting. Well, that's, you know, in my show now, I'm talking about becoming a billionaire and the, this whole idea that once you get past a certain amount of money, you know, once you get past a certain amount of millions of dollars, the interest that you're getting off the money that you have is so much more than what you're going to spend that the rest of the money is out of control, just breeding, And making more money for you. I mean, unless it's unless it's in a mattress, I don't know what kind of a mattress you put a billion dollars in. But Uh,
1: it's probably more than one mattress. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That could be a great tourist attraction: the mattress with a billion dollars in it. There's, I mean, at a certain point, it's like it's. You know, I can imagine what I would do if I had more money. But then there's, you know, there's an upper limit on like just on what you can. You know, if there's a there's a there's a point at which it just becomes insane, like you know how much uh you know you and you read these stories about like you know these i don't know like oil you know princes or whatever who you know have these insane yachts where everything is cold plated and it's like does that provide you with any pleasure you know no but it's just it doesn't even matter to them like
0: i feel like now a thing that's happening in our neighborhood in santa monica is uh They've had some tech companies come in there, like Snapchat has moved in, and Google's got a facility, and so you see Maseratis and Lamborghinis driving around now, Mm -hmm. or parked on the street in front of the Starbucks, and it's one of those kind of splurges that I, I would have to be so rich that I didn't care what happened to my Lamborghini to own a Lamborghini, because It just seems like such an outrageous. Like, why are you buying that? And if you are that rich, why do you care about this car? Like, how lost in the posing, showing people your wealth. Like, if you've got enough money to afford a Lamborghini, why don't you just drive around in a Toyota and tip everybody big? Right?
1: Yeah. There was. uh, It's interesting. It's interesting to me to think back on my life and like think about the moments that I became aware of that of class distinction. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, like, here's an example. Do you remember when when Harrison Ford did a remake of Sabrina? Yes. Okay? So, uh, which is an old Humphrey Bogart movie where he plays a rich guy who falls in love with a not-rich woman. For, right. Uh, who's young. Who's young. And so there's a scene in the movie where he, like, calls his person on his car phone, which because it's that long ago that it was, like, a car like a big phone it's attached to the car it's It's a cord yeah Uh, and he picks up in the back of his rolls royce or whatever and he calls them and he says uh he like asks, like what's the show on broadway that nobody can get tickets to get me tickets to that show uh then he hangs up and they get it and uh i saw it with a friend of mine who like had grown up around richer people than i had and i was like I was like, "That's not real. Like nobody has a person that they can call to do that." Yeah, they do. And she was like, "Oh yeah, of course. I knew. I know those people. Like that. You just have a guy who you can call to take care of things. You know what I mean?" Well, like, I have
0: a. I have uh, a lot of these corporate gigs, and so all of the top executives will have a. You know, they used to call it a secretary, but now they call it an administrative assistant or an executive assistant, and an executive assistant. It's it, and it's a, it's it's way beyond any kind of uh, lackey or flunky. It, it it's more like a right hand person, you know. And that person to those people, I mean, you don't even have to be that kind of Sabrina Rich to have that person who you can just say. I need tickets to this, and can you make sure my tuxedo's cleaned for that? And that's, that's just what they do. Right. I can't even get my wife to do that. If so I <laughs> called her and I said, hey, could you take my suit to the cleaners, it would be, I mean, she would do it, but I'd have to really explain why I needed her to do it. Right,
1: why well, you couldn't do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then there's like, uh, do you know, I feel like I read an article about the, is it the Peninsula Club in L.A.? Do you know that place? Uh, There's the Peninsula Hotel that the uh, where apparently they like profile people's wealth as they walk in the door, mm. and so then adjust the level of service. Like it's not the, adjust the level of service based on what you're worth. So without, it's, without without not
0: charging, they're not charging you for it. They're just giving you the service that you're used like, to based like, on how much money you have. Yeah, that they can tell. Maybe I'm going to get sued for slander. Right, so I'm going to get comped a room there because I'm hosting something sometime, and I'm going to have to call down all the time, like, could I have another washcloth?
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right. Or like, you know, if if you're really rich and you walk, suddenly your room has better thread count sheets. You Mm -hmm. know, like that's sort of the... Because you're used to
0: it. Well, I definitely, just personally, I I mean, I, I don't consider myself rich, but nobody does really. But, I mean... I have a nicer bathroom a lot of times now in my house than in a hotel. And I remember when I noticed that. When I noticed that, oh, my shower at home is as nice as in this super nice hotel. I really, I like my house. And I feel like that's the hotel's response is like, we've got to make this place at least as nice as their guest bedroom. Right. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Otherwise it feels like they're sleeping in the garage. Yeah. So... So there's the discrepancy in the distribution of wealth that's a thing that that's bugging me, and then we've talked about capitalism. I feel like those are the two things that underlie a lot of the things that I'm interested in protesting right now. But if you had to point to an underlying thing for yourself what what's what's the what's the fundamental what's the one thing that if you could change now would would kind of diminish the other things that are.
1: What's the key to the temple?
0: Yeah. What's the key to the temple? What's the Django? What's the
1: what's the thing that we got to pull out to? Uh, I mean, well, I, so I think I think capitalism is the problem, right? Is I mean, capitalism. Like, if, if you were to analyze it, and I think you know, five hundred years from now, if there's if we still have a civilization, if we look back, it's gonna, the problem is going to be capitalism. The, I think the central obstacle to solving the problem. Is racism? Does that make sense? Not exactly. But so, so so let me back out to cap. Do you
0: think it's? Do you think capitalism itself, or do you think if we there's some version of regulated capitalism that would be better, or do you think there's some version of socialism that hasn't been tried that that would be the
1: best? Um, uh I well, I mean, so I have a couple thoughts. One is that like you know, I I don't think there's any perfect any permanent stable system. You know what I mean? Like, I You're don't, always going to be have to adjust yeah, I don't. The I don't think that there's any system where you set it up and then we're done forever. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the... Clearly there have been versions of capitalism that have been less destructive for certain periods of time. But I also think that the basic rules of capitalism about limitless growth and exploitation are fundamental building blocks... Are colliding with our ecological reality. Well, because the Earth is not limit is not limitless. Right. It's limited, and so
0: when when you unlimited growth works until you've exhausted right. your natural resources,
1: and then you have a collapse. And that's right. and, that's the problem. And so, and also, capital you know, capitalist competition requires scarcity. Right. So, mm. so having a system that's supposed to be based simultaneously on limitless growth and scarcity is sort of a recipe for trouble.
0: Right. <laughs> uh, well so so now we've gone to less regulations on capitalism, which to me is what's causing the more kind of radical distribution of wealth where the, where there's sort of a desert in the middle of that, and then you're saying to reform capitalism now is impossible because of racism, yes, and so talk about that a little bit
1: well yeah, I mean, I think that if you that if you look at what is the that the- the political constituency that is, you know, its I mean, it's like there, there aren't that many billionaires. Like, billionaires aren't a big voting block. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who benefit the most, in, in a material sense, from capitalism there's not that many of them to swing elections. What there is, as we know from watching the news, is, you know, a shrinking number, but a still significant amount of uh, angry white people. And i mean either angry white people or apathetic and complacent white people uh-huh. and i think um you know that uh i think that if um if we are if if we can resolve that you know what what we're witnessing right now is two competing trends that there's like a majority of americans who live in Urban areas that are, you know, cosmopolitan and multicultural and interconnected and forward-thinking and tolerant and inclusive, and all that kind of stuff, and believe in science and don't care about gay people or transgender. I mean, or don't aren't alarmed by that. And then there's a a a shrinking uh, uh, hardcore of white people, mostly outside of cities, who, you know, and this is not just the United States, but this is also the social base of Brexit and. Marine Le Pen in France and the other right-wing populist parties in Europe of white people who are uh, you know rebelling against this very form of progress um, mm. and so you know I, I am pretty convinced that like uh, uh, you know I mean you know the white people uh, it, that, it, that I want That if white people embraced, um, you know, accepted that whatever the, you know, historic benefits are that have been associated with being white are not worth destroying the planet, uh, that we'd all be better off. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, I agree with that. I Just listening
0: to you talk, it was reminding me of something that I thought about during the OJ (laughs) trial, which was, you know, that that was made to be about race. But to me, the takeaway from the OJ trial and verdict was, look, it's not about race. It's about economics. And the OJ verdict proved that a black man can buy his way out of jail the same as a white person. Now they use race in the trial to gain that acquittal as a tool, race and mm-hmm. racism or whatever. But, uh, but really, I feel like some of the capitalist powers now are cynically using race and racism to divide people who otherwise would be on the same side, which is these impoverished white people who are racist and and people of color who are victims of racism, who economically are suffering some of the same hardships. And to prevent them from uniting, and opposing this kind of rich oligarchy that's going on, they're using racism
1: to drive a wedge in there,
0: and to and to maintain their power.
1: Absolutely, I mean, this is so. This is at my completely unsubstantiated conspiracy theory, but like in in 2000, when Obama in the in when Obama was running against Clinton in the primary, mm-hmm. uh, the the financial interests went for Obama, like the Wall Street was giving was giving more money to obama than to clinton in 2007 Uh and that was before the economy crashed and i've always sort of wondered it seems plausible to me that they knew that they were like had built this house of cards that was about to collapse and they were like and they could pin it on him they were like you know people are going to be killing bankers in the streets if there's not a black guy for them to be mad at So let's send that out. Wow, well that's
0: that's deep, man. That's deep. I thought I was getting cynical, but you just—I didn't know you had that card. Yeah, that's uh, just. Well, he did. He did get tagged with it in a way that that I thought was just completely unfair. Like George Bush was in the smoking wreck of the economy, basically handing the keys over to Obama. The idea that Obama—yes, we didn't experience a, a lot of the suffering until Obama was in charge, but the basic problem had occurred prior to him getting in charge but
1: yeah yeah Yeah. that's 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 dark that's dark but yeah i mean they do you know it's like it's not and it's not it's not it's not something that exists at the level of psychology like it's it 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 is sort of this you know things get set up in that way by you know i'm not saying that it's intentional You know, I don't necessarily believe that there's like a cabal of men in the back room toasting each other with cognac and going like, to evil, you know. Right. But, although, apparently that does happen some, but just not as much as you might think. But it's just, it's sort of like, it's easy, it's like these are well-worn paths and it's easy to go back to them again and mm -hmm. again. And it's easy for people to slide into them unless you're very intentional about pulling them out. You know, so like... um, uh, it's very easy for people to get pitted against each other. I mean, I think that's why the Trump administration' is attacking sanctuary cities, for example, is you know the you know a lot of these cities that they're targeting that have sanctuary policies, you know twenty or thirty percent of the population is foreign born, and so it's sort of like the, you know from their perspective it's a win win i you know if we threaten to pull the funding from sanctuary cities, either we get to screw immigrants or we get to cut funding for cities that serve immigrants. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a win win either way. And we just need to be careful not to fall into that trap. Yeah,
0: a part of me is assured by the concept that there is a why underneath what Trump is doing. Because to me, when I watch his behavior, it just seems it's hard to make any kind of rational sense of it. And all the people that he surrounded himself with that we were so worried were the evil geniuses who were... Using him as their puppet now, are are gone, and so, what the hell is he up to? If he has an agenda, what what is it? Right. I mean, I'm starting to think he doesn't even really want to make America great again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that's true. Um, I you know, it's sort of like I f- it, it it does feel a little bit schizophrenic because it's like on the one hand, these people are supposed to be evil geniuses. Like, you know, they're just kept being these like, posts on social media of like, don't fall for this distraction. This is just what Steve Bannon wants you to think, man. Like The real story's over here. And then it was like, these people don't seem like they know what they're doing either. No, It, I, it feels like no one is in charge. It's kind of exciting, actually. It, that, in that sense,
0: it's exciting. But, I mean, politics as usual had deteriorated before this, and that's part of the reason I think that, that there, there were people who voted for Trump who voted for Obama just because they're frustrated that the that the system turned out to be like whichever side you elect, instead of them trying to solve the any kind of problem, what they're trying to do is to blame the other side for the problem, you know, mm-hmm. or to, to if someone else has a solution, then to undermine it from your side so that it's going to fail so that then you can blame them for being idiots so that then you can get back reelected the next cycle and it's it it really that that's the kind of depressing place that I was in with politics I mean I voted for Hillary Clinton it's not a secret that I did that but I I, I know that there were a lot of people who just felt like they didn't like her and to them Trump was a wild card and, and they didn't see what was
1: what has happened coming right well I mean I, I don't know I think like you know so much of the so much of the of politics is like it's it's it it takes up so much oxygen and also is in so at the same time so small yeah. like the problem that we were just talking about about you know the first generation of people doing worse than their parents like nobody in congress is talking about what it would really look like to solve that you know what i mean like the conversation is is about like well what's politically feasible You know, what could we, what are some things that we could try that may or may not help? But like, rather than starting the conversation about from the place of what would actually solve the problem, and then how do we get there? Well, I mean, to me, the politics is so
0: ridiculous because there's still this public political debate about the validation of the theory of climate change when in politics that's what's happening but even oil companies now are starting to talk about strategies they're going to put in place to mitigate the effects of climate change while the, while politicians are supposedly arguing on their behalf to, that it doesn't exist and we don't need to regulate oil right. companies are looking into alternative sources of energy or ways to w- ways to mitigate sea
1: level rise you know right yeah that's good that they know is going to happen you know yeah, and the, the you know like what's his name? Who was the guy who like threw a snowball in Congress to show the climate change? Was that Daryl real... Issa? I, I feel I, like it might have been like, or
0: no, Inouye, no Inhoff Was it? it was yeah, it was. I, I, I want to say it was an I name, so from Oklahoma, maybe James Inhofe. I uh, want to believe bad things about people from Oklahoma, but I don't know. Yeah. That may be because I'm from Iowa, and they were they were always the them in Nebraska. They were the t- whenever you really? played them in football. Whenever Iowa State, at the time, they were in the same college football conference. And whenever we play Oklahoma or Nebraska, there'd be like six guys leave the field in stretchers. They were they were beasts. They're are, tough. They're a tough football team. Uh, is, oh, the Iowa so people. So I'm just, I'm reducing our political discussion to a sports analogy. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: Well, as someone from San Francisco, I have to tell you that, that from our vantage point, Iowa, Oklahoma, and Nebraska, all the same. They're all the same state. I know. I from, from your vantage point as an Iowan, these are like important distinctions. From my vantage point, they're all equally just yeah. c- like corn and not interesting. Yeah. And I know that that makes me a coastal elitist, but what are I going to do? I am who I am. Well, that whole elitist, I, the, the idea that it's
0: bad to be an, an intelligent person with opinions, I, yeah. I feel like it's bad to be an elitist if you think that you're better than people, but it's I feel like we should all strive um, to be intelligent, right? You, you like books. <laughs> this must be something yeah.
1: about you. Must be up to something.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only there were a way for you to find out what's in these books that I like. Yeah, <laughs> you might like them too. Um, so, what are your? Are, are we, did we finish? Do we ever finish the story about you getting the rifle pointed in your face? To
1: oh st- yeah, I mean, so so the I mean the sheriff's you know like it's the we were our initial plan was to try to occupy the lobby. Then they pointed a rifle at our face, and we decided not to do that, uh, that they were not going to take that well. And so then we sat down and blocked the entrance, and we had a rally, and hundreds of people came. And we were all over the news, and then we felt like we did what we had to do, so we went home. And you did not get – they did not bother to arrest did you? Did not get arrested.
0: And w- were you ready to be arrested? or what, Yeah, you-
1: I had like – I mean – to prepare to be arrested, like, so I had, like, d- written some information down for the National Lawyers Guild, like, some legal observers in case they needed to get me sprung out of jail. I had written the legal, the, a lawyer's phone number on my arm in Sharpie. I had also left my phone and my, uh, keys and stuff in another place so that, I, like, that there wasn't, I didn't have anything that could be searched, mm-hmm. uh, on me. So I was, like, prepared to be arrested, um... Uh, but then it didn't, didn't happen. And what what would they get if they
0: searched your phone? I'm well, sorry, I'm not trying to pry into your yeah. Phone. So you know,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> but what but what strategies are you trying to? I, I, that's what I'm curious about.
1: Oh, I mean, so the you know so part just look into who else you know. Yeah, that they that, that they're like you know that there's an issue about them like you know searching people's phones and then trying to like you know map different types of activist networks and find people's contact information. It's not like I have anything. You know, my phone is mostly pictures of my kids and podcasts. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, Nato Green is really into Radio Lab. You know? Yeah. But uh, now we know Jada Boomerang. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in cahoots. So, um, but, uh, you know, that there was, that conceivably there's a like a lot of contacts that they could have uh, tried to, you know, find people, you know, figure out who I know, mm-hmm. who. You know, and who knows what those people are involved in. And so, you know, it's just sort of, like, it's seen as better to keep that, you know. And also, like, you have, uh, you know, if you're, I mean, I'm having exchanges with people about, like, you know, hey, let's organize this action. Mm-hmm. We're going to get arrested, you know. So we're, like, texting each other or using Signal, you know, Signal. No. Signal's like a texting app that's encrypted. So it's like WhatsApp, but it's... Uh... More so. Encrypted. But more so. But more so. I barely even know.
0: When I say it's like WhatsApp, I mean that someone helped me download WhatsApp onto my yeah. phone. And I'm involved in a couple of threads, but I have no idea how it works or what I'm doing. Yeah. This is beyond the scope of the podcast for you to have to explain WhatsApp to me. I don't know. I, I mean, I. Okay. But I'd like to
1: figure out Signal. Yeah. Because well, I, no, you, you, only, you don't. You, mostly you're not going to use Signal unless you're into secret stuff. I want all my stuff to be secret except for this. I want people
0: to listen to this, but then yeah. I want all my other stuff to be <laughs> secret. It, it would be catastrophic if you accidentally encrypted your podcast, <laughs> yeah, no one can listen to it. It's just beeps and whistles and little whale uh It would just sound like songs. sound like the old modem dial-up
1: sound <laughs> like the
0: <clears throat> And it would be hilarious then if my my downloads went up yeah. and they were all behind the iron curtain. Right. <coughs> so, how many of these protests are you involved in on a on an ongoing basis? Like per per week, would you, are you doing a protest a week? Would you say?
1: Uh, no. Well, let me see. I mean, it, you know, you sort of I, like I like I you know I try to stay in the mix uh, and I go to a lot of stuff. So, but like this, where I'm personally risking arrest is not that frequent. That gets mm-hmm. spread out. Um, but you know, next next weekend the Nazis are coming to San Francisco and Berkeley, and I'm sure I'll they be, are. Yeah.
0: Do they have an organ? Well, obviously, it's an organized, scheduled thing. Nazis are coming.
1: The, the Nazis are coming. Yeah, and actually, I mean, it's they're, You know, it's so it's it's ingenious because so they're they're in San Francisco next Saturday. They want to come to Chrissy Field uh, so that they can get a photo op of a, like a big fist fight right with the Gor Golden Gate Bridge behind them.
0: Because that's what they sort of want. They yeah. want
1: the protest, the Nazi protesters,
0: to fight them, right, so that then they can portray themselves as victims. Yeah,
1: and so like. Uh, but it's and it's Chrissy Field, so it's federal property. So the city doesn't have the authority to deny the permits, even though they want mm-hmm. to, because uh, it's under the jurisdiction of the Parks Department, the federal Parks Department. And the and there's open carry on federal property. And so the Oath Keepers, this armed vigilante militia, are coming to do security for the Nazis. And so now there's this whole debate in San Francisco about whether you know. So some people are saying let's you know the night before all take our dogs to Chrissy field to have our dogs shit on Chrissy field uh so people are mm-hmm. organizing mm-hmm. that i like it uh, okay i don't know who thought of that <laughs> <laughs> all right good one bob the dog <laughs> yeah. shit idea i like it
0: so uh, you know it, like it's what about this what about unlimited supply of penis shaped uh, pastries so for the nazis i mean do we have that going other
1: people are like working on you know like like a like a grinder campaign to you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like
0: it. I like it. I like the gay pride celebration yeah. surrounding also, the Nazis. There's like, also people
1: putting like, you know, glitter dance parties near them. Mm-hmm. There's also people like have, there's going to be a pontoon brigade in the bay of people on some sort of floating things. I love it. I uh, love it. Doing so, stuff to them. So like all these conversations are happening in San Francisco
0: about You got to make do. it silly. You got to put in their face the thing that they like I love the combination of gay pride and Nazis and I love the combination of Burning Man and Nazis just like people right. in some kind of drug trance doing a love dance.
1: Yeah, I mean, and honestly, you know, I like, the people that I want leading my revolution if we're going to fight Nazis are drag queens. Uh, oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. You know, that, like, that, that I, I, I believe in, I support, and I trust drag queens to lead the revolution. Um, and, uh, you know, so, like, and they... Uh, could you know, like the I mean, the sisters of perpetual indulgence, mm-hmm. the nuns, the drag queen, the nuns. drag queen nuns that we have in San Francisco. Uh, you know, the, those that's sort of like the front line of defense here. Is it do you have a number that you can mobilize them because <laughs> that
0: that's the kind of power broker? That's why you keep your phone in the car, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't want the cops to find out your sisters of perpetual indulgence contact.
1: Yeah, well, you, I mean. One doesn't just call the sissies of perpetual indulgence. You Is there have, a light that you turn on? At you night? have to like, like a bat signal. <laughs> you have to sort of you have to conjure them somehow, That's like a candle. Yeah, and then they and then they manifest. Oh man! Now I'm sorry, I'm going to be missing
0: the Nazis in San Francisco. At first, I was horrified, and now I feel like
1: right. And of course, like be, you know, so because it's San Francisco, it's like instantly bananas because there's like, you know. Boston, it was like this beautiful thing, 40,000 people show up, it's very inspiring, it's orderly, you know, it's sort of like, okay, well that seems like a great thing. San Francisco, because it's San Francisco, has to like get bizarre immediately. And so like people started putting up Facebook events for the counter protests against the Nazis. And then apparently one of the Facebook events has been taken over by the SFPD, the San Francisco Police Department chaplain. Who is not telling people that she's the chaplain, but is like giving instructions, and then other people are mad that the SFPD is telling them how to protest. Mm-hmm. And so there's infighting about that. So who knows? Check back in a week.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. I definitely. What's the date of that? the Nazi thing at Chrissy Field in case people are listening and, they, yeah. they'd, and they've they got some nipple clamps and feathers.
1: If you join my county, my next appearance will be <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, getting uh, the Nazi thing at Chrissy Field is Saturday, August 26th. And there will be other events all over San Francisco protesting it. And F- so where
0: can people find how to protest or how to donate or how to Be a part of this I I just Not that Who knows if people Are listening Want to do this But I just love I just love this Yeah Uh,
1: yeah, Well Where do people Go to find out That's actually An interesting question Do you just
0: google San Francisco Nazis And that's it
1: Yeah Chrissy Field Protest Nazi Protest I mean Yeah That'll get you Any website That deals with San Francisco Is going to have Information about it At this point Okay Good Well we've got a show To do tonight Yeah The last of six shows when we've had a great time here in San Jose, yeah, I would say, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, so, people,
0: people should go see you. You're, uh, and I said your name at the beginning, but you're NATO Green. Yep. Yeah. And do you have you have a website? Everyone has a website.
1: NATOGreen.com. on Twitter at NATO Green, Facebook NATO Green Comedy, N-A-T-O-G-R-E-E-N. N-A-T-O-G-R-E-E-N. correct, easy uh, easy peasy. I have two monthly shows in San Francisco. If people want to see that. Where are they? One is at, it's on the second Thursday. It's a stand-up show at the Verdi Club, uh, mm-hmm. which is a 100-year-old Italian social club. The show is called Verdi Wild Things Are. See what I did there? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And then and your name is Green, and yeah. it's at the Verdi Club. There you go. So and then the other show is like a, uh, like one of those like mystery science theater Benson interruption movie riffing type oh, shows. You watch the movie and you and at you the Alamo Draft House. Uh, it's, uh, it's usually on the last Thursday of the month. It's called Riffer's Delight. And they can find out about those at natogreen.com yes. or at Riffer's Delight. Google
0: it. or at, yeah. uh, If you can't figure out how to find out these things by now. Right. I'm embarrassed that I even asked you yeah. how to find out about how well, to protest Nazis. I mean,
1: you know, yeah. Uh, you know, although I feel like like if I uh, if I say, add natogreen on Twitter, for some reason if I say, go to natogreen.com, I don't think people go to natogreen.com, but if I say add natogreen on Twitter, some people will be like, oh yeah, we'll follow him on Twitter. And then I can find out all this political bullshit that he's into.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Yeah. All right. Is there any, when you're protesting things, as we're all going to be doing more of yep. now in the, in the coming months and next three years, as we're, yep. as we're going out to protest, what advice, general advice would you give people who are protesting? And then we'll be done.
1: Yeah. So my general advice is uh, have a buddy. It's like the, it's fun to it's, it's fun to do it with somebody else and not by yourself mm-hmm. uh, bring water and sunscreen like think about your you know physical needs like uh, uh, and you know the way that I mean I like I have kids and so the way that I think about it is like that you know I'm concerned about the future of the planet and the country for my kids and that you know I feel like their future and democracy you know I'm gonna put in five hours a week of activism for that and And a lot of times,
0: this was just to bring up the detail that we were talking earlier, and you were talking about your daughter being into uh, circus kind of stuff, and that she'll go to the protests on stilts sometimes. And what that said to me is that I think a lot of people, and me included sometimes, we think about protests and we see on TV somebody's yelling in the face of some guy carrying a Confederate flag, and you think it's angry and adversarial and just on the brink of violence. But I think a lot of protests... Are just where you're making people aware of your opinion in a nonviolent way, and everything's friendly, and and you, yeah. your daughter can be there on stilts, and it's all okay.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, and like the, the you know, I think a lot of people get in this place of like, well, you know, I, I mean, this is what I mean about complacency, is that a lot of people sort of are like, I'm going to stay out of it. I don't feel like I need to be there because where they're viewing it is either through social media or through the news and so they feel like well this you know it doesn't feel like important enough or urgent enough or hopeful enough that it's worth me going out of my way to do it and my experience is that if you wait until you feel inspired to go participate you're never going to feel inspired that you but if you decide to participate then you find the things that are inspiring do you know what I'm saying That we, I do, I as, do. The, as the old saying goes we make the road by walking like that once you're out in the thing, then you start discovering the the stuff. And so it's very, it's just easy to be like, well, I don't like that organization, I don't like that message, I don't like that speaker, I don't like that strategy. And I just sort of feel like, you know, anybody can criticize from the outside. Find, a, you know, there's so many organizations now, whether it's Indivisible or Democratic Socialists of America or Swing Left. I mean, it's so, it's easier than it's ever been to participate. You know, the the thing that we did, the protests that we did on with the sheriffs, we after the election built up this this text blast thing we have 14,000 people on a text thing and we just put out a text blast saying hey come protest the sheriff and hundreds of people showed up so right. it's easier than ever to participate just find a, find a thing that feels right to you and go do that thing and be a part of the com- conversation and be a part of the conversation about how to make it better rather than waiting until other people I feel like if you're waiting for other people to figure it out before you participate it's really looking for an excuse to stay out of it and that's, that's the part that I don't like
0: awesome yeah. awesome so do that, everybody listening to this. And also, this is me talking. Go see Nato do comedy, because he's very funny. And I know that you think of yourself as a political comedian, and certainly there's there's a heavy political thing to your show. But I find that the best political comedy is comedy where you may not agree with everything the person is saying, but it's still funny. And I think you do a good job with that. Thank
1: you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. I mean, yeah, my I don't feel like... I don't need people to agree with everything that I say. I just need people to agree that, we are, that comedians are allowed to talk about ideas.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. We're just like what you were just saying about protesting. We just need to get out there and start listening to each yeah. other, talking and listening to each other. Okay, thank you, everybody, for listening to this. And don't give up. There will be plenty of time to give up later. I can't hear you unless you talk into the machine.